It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. A ton left undecided in the Big Ten with two weekends to go, including the league regular season champs in the field of eight for the conference tournament. Kyle Charters with Drew Charters for the Big Baseball Podcast. Also talked to Penn State coach Rob Cooper today. His Nittany Lions surging toward the Big Ten tournament in Omaha. We'll get an update on Penn State from him. Drew, uh, a big weekend last weekend, a big weekend this upcoming weekend. There is a lot that has not yet been decided in the Big Ten. We'll try to parse all of this out. You try to do some math. I don't know why you did that because it never works out well. Uh, but maybe we'll, we'll delve into that a little also. Let's talk about uh, the top uh, of the Big Ten. Uh, the huge series over in Piscataway this weekend. Maryland taking two of three from Rutgers. All that served to do, Drew, was make it tighter at the top, Rutgers now 16-5, and five, Maryland 13-5, and five, the teams tied in the loss column. Of course, Rutgers will be out of conference this weekend against Bowling Green. Maryland has a couple of Big Ten conference uh, weekends remaining against Michigan and then uh, Purdue. Uh, you have to give Rutgers the edge here because they just have fewer games to play, right? Right. Fewer opportunities to, to lose. Yeah. And when you're up by one and a half games, three wins uh, on the field, on Maryland, uh, that's not a bad spot to be in. So the edge certainly goes to Rutgers, even though the Scarlet Knights lost two of three at home to Maryland over the weekend. And Maryland, to be frank, is probably the better team. Yeah, I think so, because I think they have the better pitching, and I think that better pitching beats better offense. How about... The 62 runs scored by both these teams. Did, yeah. we, did we imagine an offensive explosion no. by both teams? No. I mean, uh, I mean, I keep saying that, that Maryland's pitching staff is better, but Rutgers is no uh, – I mean, it's they're good. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not like there's a huge drop-off there. Did but, not expect all the runs in, in all three yeah. of those games. It's not, like one, it's not like one game got out of control and both teams scored in the teens somewhere. I mean, I, I think the only game that neither team failed to – or the neither team reached double figures in runs was the the finale, right? right and that was still four. thirteen combined runs. Yeah, and game one, Ramsey pitched well again. I don't think he gave up a hit until like the sixth inning, but the end score ended up sixteen to eight. Game two, yeah. eighteen to seven. Rutgers Jason wins that Sabacool, one. How did that game in the second inning? How about that? I know they chased him. Ryan Lasko five for five with a couple home runs, two doubles, five RBIs. So he uh, certainly propelled Rutgers to that one, and then Maryland winning 9-4 to four in the last one, and Nick Dean getting that Sunday start and pitching very well. I, if you look at the records to me, and we'll get into this throughout the entire show, but my big question with the top here is, can any of these, and I'm going to say four, Maryland, Rutgers, Illinois, and Iowa, can any of the four, can any of the two get the 19 wins, and how many of the four will get the 18 wins? That's yeah. my question, right? So, Will will anybody if, if anybody gets to 19 wins, they're going to win the Big Ten. The yes. question is, how many teams will end the season at 18 wins? Yeah. And that'll be Maryland winning five of the next six. That's Rutgers winning two. Two of three. And that's Illinois and Iowa winning out, which yeah. I know is probably not likely, but it is possible. <laughs> well, it's possible, sure, but it, it is highly unlikely, even if they have favorable schedules. 
It's hard to sweep teams. We talk about this all the time. They do have favorable but yes, schedules, we are, we are, and it is possible. <laughs> yes. We are also coming off a weekend where a lot of stuff happened that we did not anticipate happening. So, uh, yeah, I, anything is possible. But 18 wins probably gets you a share. Right? I mean, is that safe yes. to say? Yes. Because, it's, it's, because, again, it's going to be hard for Rutgers to sweep Michigan in a couple of weeks. It will be. So 18 probably gets you a share. 19 clearly, obviously gets you a share and, and very possibly gets you uh, the, the, the title outright. Because, you know, 19 is, you know, Maryland would have to go 6-0. and to, to get to, to 19. Rutgers could do it at 3-0, and obviously. But for Maryland, uh, you know, it it will have to most likely go 5-1 and one here over the last couple of weekends, which intru- includes hosting Michigan and then playing at Purdue, and a Purdue team that will be desperate for at least a victory right. that weekend, if not more than that, depending on how things shake out for the Boilermakers this weekend at Northwestern. So for Maryland to finish up five and one, that might be even sort of challenging for the Terps to do. Are, I think. Are you calling them out? Am I doing what now? Are you calling them out of the race? Calling them? No, I'm not calling them out. I think five and one is hard to do, though. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you were leaning towards. You were leaning towards. Towards. Uh, towards. Well, I, I think Rutgers goes two and one. I, I think it's. I think Rutgers goes two and one. It's hard for Maryland to go, in my opinion, five and one against those two teams. Yeah. Because I think that includes. I, I think Purdue can beat them a game at at Alexander when they have to win a game. I, I think that's challenging to go on the road for Maryland and do that. So then you're then you're asking the Terps to to sweep Michigan. Yeah, I, and I while guess. Michigan I, has some I think issues, it depends on who's pitching for Purdue. While Michigan has some yeah. issues. I don't know that that the Wolverines go there and get swept. So yeah, I mean, I I think you know it's it'll be interesting to see what happens here over the last couple of weekends. Rutgers had a conference against Bowling Green, having clearly the edge, and to see what Maryland does. I mean, if it loses the first one to Michigan, man, that makes it quite the climb, in my opinion, to win five yeah. games in a row to give yourself an opportunity to get the share again. Where I'm assuming Rutgers wins two of three against Michigan, maybe that's a Maybe that's a big assumption on my part. But certainly, it'll be interesting to watch down the stretch. Now, you want to bring Iowa and Illinois into this, <laughs> into this discussion. I desperately do. As well. Both of those teams sitting at 12 and 6, and both likely needing to go 6-0, and which you claim is possible. I don't think it's possible for both of them to go 6-0. and I think it's possible for one of them to go 6-0. and I like Iowa. Yeah. Well, you I mean, saw it, Iowa firsthand over the weekend. Yeah, and they're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adam Mazur's not going to get beat the rest of the year. There's no chance. So, you don't think so? No. No. <laughs> Who's going to beat him? The dude's unhittable. He's yeah. unhittable. He's pitched. He didn't pitch a complete game against Purdue. He left with one out left. Yeah. And uh, got in a little bit of trouble runner, there tonight. Two runners on, so he ended up giving yeah. up those two runs, I suppose, even though you know how that all works out. But, yeah. um, and then Ty Langenberg, who pitched Sunday, yeah, pitched well. That team, that whole pitching staff, that entire pitching staff holds opponents under a 200 batting average. Yeah. So you get Connor Schultz on the right track here. 
He's had about a couple bad starts in a row. A couple bad starts in a row. Before that, he was at Nebraska and really good. You get him back on track. Yeah. I know this is a lot. This is turning into a lot of ifs here. <laughs> but yeah. but a I lot of ifs when you're asking a team to win six but games. But it can happen. We're always like speculating and assuming, hey, you know, uh, Rutgers is going to win two, three against Michigan. Well, we don't, I, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah. this season's been crazy. And it's only going to get crazier these next two weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois uh, was out of conferences last weekend and swept Miami of Ohio. It has Nebraska home then at Penn State. Can it win all six? <laughs> I love these questions. Can it? Yes, it can. <laughs> Will it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Nebraska doesn't look good right now. They do not look good at all right now. Yeah. No, 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 no doubt. I mean, they, I just, mean uh, they just lost two or three to, to Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska... That's an, a, 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 another topic we'll get into in the weekend rotation. What happened with the Cornhuskers that was unexpected at Minnesota over this weekend. So what hurt Illinois, I think, Illinois could be in a far different position right now if it had not lost two of three at Indiana. Now, that was right when the Hoosiers, at the yeah. end of April going into May, started to feel like they had turned the corner a little bit. But if you recall, Illinois led that game on Friday night in the opener of that series and just disintegrated late. The yeah. Hoosiers came back and won the game, and then ended up winning the series. If Illinois hangs on to win that game and then wins that series, if Illinois' record right now was 13-5... and We'd have a whole different discussion. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, they would be more in the mix there for at least a share of a Big Ten title. All right, so here are the standings in their entirety. Rutgers is 16-5, and Maryland is 13-5, and Iowa and Illinois have the extra loss, both 12 and 6. Michigan is 10 and 8. Penn State is also 10 and 8. The Nittany Lions have really been playing well, including a weekend sweep of Michigan State. Indiana has been surging. They've won three uh, consecutive uh, Big Ten series, each of them two games to one to get back to 8 and 10. Then you have Purdue at 7 and 9, hanging on to that last spot in the field of 8. Northwestern is 7 and 11. Nebraska the same. And Michigan State will throw in here, though the Spartans need a lot of help here down the stretch. My question is, and I bolded these teams for you, the top seven, Rutgers, Maryland, Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, Penn State, and Indiana, are each one of those teams comfortably in the field of 8? Is the only spot remaining... Spot number eight. No. Nobody's comfortably in. Well, that top four teams are yes, comfortably in. None of in. the ones you none of the one you know what I mean. None of the ones you just No. Michigan's not comfortably in. Comfortably? They have to win. They have no. to win a game. You're not comfortably in until you're locked. They have to win a game still. Michigan has to win one of their last six games. Against, that doesn't make me comfortable. Against against uh Maryland and Rutgers. I, yeah. I'm not comfortable until I win one of those games. Yeah. If you're Eric Backage right now, you're not sitting there going, oh, yeah, we're comfortable. No way. Well, even one doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily. I know. Do it, but, I mean, it probably does. So, no, Michigan is not comfortably in. Uh, Penn State, I think they are more comfortably in than uh, Michigan, just based on schedule. They're at Ohio State and then home versus Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State's been playing better. I know, but I think they can get, I mean, they, you know, it's a similar situation to Michigan. They got to win, they probably need to win one. Two games. Two games. Yeah. Uh, at home against Illinois, they can probably get one of those. Right. Um, Indiana? No, you're not comfortably in. No. 
you you go to you you're gonna play Minnesota, who just beat Nebraska two of three. Oh, God. and then you're at Iowa, at Iowa, and you got to face Adam Mazur and Ty Langenberg and Connor Schultz. They're not comfortably what? in. You're hanging on for dear life. No. IU could go out there and and hit twelve batters and walk six. They could, because <laughs> they've done that. So no, I I I mean I. Indiana though, Indiana and Penn State both surging at the right time. Both have won three consecutive series. Uh, Indiana won two of three at Michigan this last weekend. Uh, did you see the line for Reese Sharp, the the reliever for Indiana, yeah. four and a third innings? He pitched on consecutive days, combined four and a third, two hits, gave up a run, struck out five, and walked two. He got the save on Saturday, then the win on Sunday. Penn State swept Michigan State. Man, what a series that was. And a, uh, an interesting game on Monday in which they had to rally a couple of times, down a, two runs in the ninth, one run in the tenth, and got a walk-off walk with Johnny Piacentino uh, in the 11th inning. And the Nittany Lions have also won three straight Big Ten series. So uh, those two teams playing well at the right time, but according to Drew, at least, not comfortably in. He's not comfortable with anything. I, yeah. I'm not comfortable with anything. That's a great way to put it. I would not be, if I was in charge of these teams, I would not be comfortable with any of this stuff. No. I would not. I And because it's just been so, this season to me is just, uh, you know, it's always bunched up right here. Always. Yes. Every year. But this year in particular, it's, well, you know, thing- these teams have been good. All these teams have been, have shown signs of being good sometime this season. Nebraska's Nebraska. They're not, you know, like, I, I don't care how bad Nebraska's playing. They have Nebraska written across their jersey. It's Nebraska. Yeah. Michigan State has shown signs of being really good this year. Northwestern has. Purdue won 15 straight games to start the season. Indiana's yeah. playing their best. Michigan was, we are talking about Michigan maybe winning the Big Ten three weeks ago. Now yeah. all of a sudden we're talking about them being on the bubble of making the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. So it's like all, you know, Minnesota just won a series. Yeah. It's just. You know, anything can happen. Ohio State swept Northwestern. What? Yeah. What was that? <laughs> Crazy. Um, yeah, so we're going to break down the last spot a little bit in the the weekend rotation. The thing that's weird, and we'll preview that here for just a second, is that the, the, the incomplete series between Purdue and Ohio State has yeah. thrown this that's the only two games in the Big Ten, right, that have not been played this year. I think that's correct. Unless there's somebody down lower, but I think that's the only two games that did not get played. Yeah. It just never, that weekend, other games elsewhere, Illinois was able to play on that Sunday somehow, even though they're, what, 100 miles or whatever it is uh, to the west of us uh, here in, in, in Lafayette. It just didn't get warm enough, and so it has created a little bit of a situation where the percentages are really going to matter. Right. And be the only thing that matters for who gets that eight spot. All right, uh, Drew, let's hit our awards. Of course, we did not pre-discuss <laughs> this, so we have no idea what we're doing here. Uh, I did not have very many nominees. Let's start with Big Arm. I only have two nominees for Big Arm. Uh, we mentioned one of them already in Sharp, who came out of the bullpen to work the four and a third innings, a couple of hits. Just gave up a run, five strikeouts, two walks. I mean, what's impressive uh, about Sharp is that 
IU won those two games, got the save on Saturday, and then he picked up the victory on Sunday. So we don't often give the award to relievers, but to come through in a big fashion yeah. like that is impressive. For Penn State, Jaden Henline went nine innings. He allowed 11 hits in nine innings, but only three runs. Two of those were earned. He struck out six, didn't walk anyone, and got the victory against Michigan State. Those are my only two nominees. Who do you have for big arm? Um, I've got uh, um, Cole Kershipper pitched well in non-conference action against Miami of Ohio. Um, seven innings of shutout baseball for uh, Kershipper. Um, Cody Frank in relief, four and a third for Nebraska. Two hits, four strikeouts. He got the victory over Minnesota. Aiden Maldonado pitched well for Minnesota. Got a three to one victory, seven innings, five hits, eight strikeouts, a run. Um, Nick Dean for Maryland in the Sunday victory uh, went six innings, three hits, two runs, both earned, nine strikeouts, and two walks. Uh, and then I've got the two guys from Iowa uh, Adam Mazur, uh, eight and two thirds, five hits, uh, two runs. And he was not on the mound when those were given up, but they were credited to him. Uh, just three strikeouts for Mazur and a walk. Uh, Ty Langenberg in the Sunday victory against Purdue, seven innings, five hits, one run, seven strikeouts, one walk. It's pretty good. So I think I'm going. Uh, well, wait, are we? Are we? Yeah, I mean, for my, I mean, for for my nominee on my side of things, I'd probably go Langenberg. Uh, you sounded very confident in that I think Sharp is the winner here. Uh, we don't often go out of the bullpen, but I, I think to be able to pick up a save and a win uh, on consecutive days, uh, in my opinion, for Indiana in a big series that continues to get uh, the Hoosiers marching toward the Big Ten tournament. So Sharp is our big arm for this week. I've got a number of guys for Big Bat. I'm going to try to zip through these as quickly as possible. It was hard. Look, Ohio State scored 1,000 runs. I counted them up. Scored a thousand runs. <laughs> Your math against, is terrible. Against Northwestern, right. it's hard to distinguish which guy. Right, Zach Dezinzo had eight runs scored, seven runs driven, and three doubles, a home run. Cade Kern, seven ribbies, two homers, five runs scored. Michael Oakley, excuse me, Mitchell Oakley had seven hits, eight runs driven, and two doubles, four runs scored. Brent Totus. He had 11 hits. He was 11 of 18, so he probably gets the edge on everyone here. Nine ribbies, seven runs, a double, and two home runs. Jay Harry had a, a good a weekend for Penn State with 10 hits, uh, five runs, three RBI, a home run. In game three, he went six for seven with three runs scored and a double. Johnny Piacentino probably gets thrown in here just because he had the walk-off walk. In Game 3, Matt Wood had a good weekend for the Nittany Lions. Seven runs driven in, a couple of home runs. For Indiana, Carter Matheson, uh, five ribbies, six runs scored. He had a couple of home runs. But if I had to put up a, a nominee here, I'd go with Totus for the 11 hits in 18 at bat. Seven runs, nine runs driven in, a double, and a couple of uh, home runs. For Ohio State, sweeping Northwestern. For me, I'll start with Rutgers. Uh, Chris Brito, five hits on the weekend. Three of those five hits were home runs. He had four runs scored and eight RBIs. Ryan Lasko, uh, all in game two, five for five, five runs scored, four RBI, two home runs and two doubles uh, for Lasko. Chris Aline for Maryland had five hits, three of those five being home runs, nine RBIs for Aline. Uh, Kevin uh, Keister. Hit a grand slam in the second inning of game two in that game for Maryland. Boston Maryland for 
Minnesota was seven for 14, four runs scored, just a couple of RBIs, but he had a walk-off RBI single in game two in the 12th inning there against Nebraska. Um, so I think you probably have it with the Totus with, with for Ohio State because 11 hits. I mean, I've got uh, Chris Aline with nine RBIs and Brito with eight, but they've only got five hits each. So the 11 hits, I think, uh, gives Yeah, 11 hits in three edge. games. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. 11 hits, uh, one of them a double, a couple of them a home run. So Brent Totus is our big bat for this week. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll bring in Penn State coach Rob Cooper. We'll do that next on the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. back to the Big Baseball Podcast. Let's bring in Rob Cooper in his ninth season now with Penn State. And boy, the Nittany Lions are charging forward, to say the least, have won three series in a row, including a sweep of Michigan State to put Penn State in position to get into the Big Ten tournament. Rob, appreciate the time. As always, I know it's uh, it's busy. Uh, you guys had a game uh, last night uh, after getting back and, and getting uh, into the swing of things following the sweep of, of Michigan State that got delayed uh, by a day as well as we sort of all here in the Midwest finally waited for the, uh, the temperature to, to warm up a little bit. Hopefully we'll have some good weather uh, the rest of the way now. But, man, your team is, is playing well. You've got to be excited about uh, what, your, what your squad has been able to do here over the last few weeks. Well, first of all, Kyle, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I appreciate what you're doing to promote, you know, our sport and in our conference. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm beyond proud of our guys. Um, you know, we just got done playing 38 innings in 56 hours. That's literally <laughs> yeah. how much we played. And, uh, you know, our guys brought it to the ballpark every single day. and They played hard. And, they emp- you know, we asked them to empty their tank and give 100% of their 50% if that's all they got. And, and they've yeah. been doing that. So uh, definitely proud of them and, and, and you know, lucky to coach them. It is very easy, as we know, if you have a series victory, as you guys did against Michigan State, to take your foot off the gas in that third game. And, man, your, your guys just hung in there and, and kept battling back and had to rally a couple of times against the Spartans, I think scoring a couple of runs right in the, in the ninth, another run in the tenth to be able to get the game to the 11th before finally winning it on a bases-loaded walk, a walk-off. It is. I mean, it's a little bit human nature, right? To, you, you've won the series. You've sort of done what you needed to do for that weekend to, to take your foot off it a little bit. And sometimes that's why, you know, we see teams win two of three so often rather than, than sweeping a team. But, man, credit to your guys to be able to, to hang with it like they did and be able to get the sweep of the Spartans. As it turns out, it might it might be a big one when you look at the final standings here in a couple of weeks. Well, you know, it's it it's definitely a, a tribute to um, how much our guys care about each other. You know, they're they're not willing to quit playing, no matter what the score is, no matter what the game is, for each other. Uh, they're honoring the relationship that they have with each other, and and competing and, and playing hard. But you know, in that game on on Monday, I mean, I, I want to say it was eight to five in like the seventh inning. And, you know, I just, at no point during that game did I feel like we were out of it. And it mm-hmm. was, and again, it, 
as a coach, you can be super positive that you can come back, but if, if you don't feel it from right. your players, you know, you, you're, it's just kind of wishful thinking, but at no point did I ever think that, you know, we were out of the game and we had so many different things that happened in that game that just speak that people maybe wouldn't realize. Like, first of all, Cole Bartles is the backside runner at first base and he does an unbelievable job getting a big, you know, as much primary lead as he can and a good secondary. And he, There's a ball hit to the shortstop and he beats the shortstop to second base that extends the inning and allows us to score, I, I think, tie it up or, or score a big run. And, yeah. you know, had a pinch hit by a true freshman that, you know, started a rally in the ninth and, and stuff. So it's just uh, there's so many different things that you, if you were to go back and look at that game, it's a tribute to our kids. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it was a big game and a big victory as well. You know, we talked a couple of years ago about your team and sort of how it was developing, the youth that you had in your lineup at that time, and, and you felt like those guys really were going to be the ones that, that helped you turn the corner. It seems like that has been the case. I mean, you know, guys like Matt Wood and Johnny P. and Centino and Jay Harry, Josh Spiegel, and, you know, that whole group of guys that have really been playing together now for a couple of seasons You've been able to help those guys develop. You have seen them develop. It is nice now that that development is paying off in victories. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, I think we've all been, you know, um, not not I think, I know we've all been impacted by by COVID and, and, and especially in the Big Ten with not getting to play midweek games uh, and non-conference games last year, but you think about the lack of development time for guys in our conference compared to around the country. And, and so, you know, it was funny when we were struggling early in the year this year, I told our guys, I said, you know, we have one player. I want to say it was uh, just after spring break or maybe right during spring break. I said, guys, we have one player who, who has actually played in 56 games in their entire college career which, as we all know, a 56 game is normally a regular season. Yeah. But and that was Matt Wood. Matt Wood played in his 56 game um, on that day, and I just said, "Look, we we just got to keep getting better. We got to keep getting better." And but it's it's those guys that bought in when they got there, and and really could and never lost you know faith. And and then we've we've had some some impactful transfers that have bought in. And we've, we've also had some true freshmen that are, that are, that are bringing a lot to the table, but you know, it all starts with culture and leadership and, and, you know, um, the, the, the players, it's a player led team and they love each other. So the culture's good. You mentioned Matt Wood. Um, he's a good guy to build around. It seems like, man, we saw him when Purdue played over there uh, against you guys, and he had some major league at-bats against uh, Jackson Smeltz uh, in, I think, the opener of that series. And, uh, man, he's a good player. The numbers bear that out as well, hitting 414 as a catcher, which is impressive and even more impressive, a 26-game hitting streak that ended on Tuesday night. 26 games is good for anyone. It's particularly good when you're playing as physically demanding a position as catcher is, certainly the the most physically demanding um, on a baseball field. And, I mean, to be able to do that and hang in there and get those opportunities and do that when the other team knows you're the, the opponent's best hitter, I mean, it's it's all pretty impressive, to say the least. It, 
it's one of the most impressive things I've ever witnessed in my college coaching career. And, and, um, and I've been fortunate to see a lot of really cool stuff and, and be around a lot of really, really good players, but it's, it, it, he's just, uh, he's a guy that you don't get to coach very often in your career, you know, and the things that go beyond just everything you said is, and you saw, like you seen him, like yeah. he's an unbelievable defensive player too. So he is taking a beating back there, and 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 the and the pitchers love throwing to him, and and then to be able to separate his defense to his offense, and <clears throat> um, excuse me, but uh, you know, the so last night when we were playing, you know, it's his final at bat, and you know he's got a 26 game hitting streak, and we're getting you know beat pretty good, and you know, so there's two borderline pitches that if you know if he really wanted to kind of do it for himself. He could have chased him, yeah. um, and he didn't. He he took the walk and and knew that our you know only way we could potentially get back in the game is we needed base runners, and that's that's Matt Wood. And you know along those lines, he's just an unbelievable human being um, and a great leader. Yeah, yeah, he's been solid, and uh, to have all those attributes uh, certainly makes you feel like the future will be bright for him. You've had to piece things together a little bit uh, on the mound this year. I was looking through your stats. You have had 10 different guys who have started games on the hill for you, uh, which means that, that you've, you know, you've had to search for some things a little bit. Now, I think you have found them as the season has gone on. Jaden Henline had a really good start this last weekend. Travis Lundsman has been, has been good, it seems, for you down the stretch. But, but you've had to sort of throw things together at times this year, too. What have your results been like on the mound? Well, and I don't, I'm not meaning to correct you because it's definitely, if you're not in our building and you're not around us, you, you would know, you know, it would, I would say the same thing about us, but the truth of the matter is, is that we're act, we've been, we just started discussing doing pitching like this and setting hmm. it up like this from the fall. And part of the reason was what I said earlier is that we felt like we had some talented arms. Yeah. We but what we didn't have was a lot of guys with experience. Yeah. And so what we kind of felt like was <clears throat> we could maybe take a page from, you know, professional baseball and like the Tampa Bay Rays and let's, Hey, let's, let's, you know, we're going to, we're going to announce this guy's the Friday starter. And then every single guy we have is, is live for that game. Because, you know, if, if Travis, if Travis Lundsman is say one of our better pitchers, right. Well, yeah. then we're going to use them when we need them to win and and so <laughs> that's kind of how we've gone into every single weekend is all right we're going to name the starter on friday and then whoever we feel like is the best matchup to pitch in that game to help us win we're going to use and then the next game we'll go okay here's here's who we're going to start and what we have found is what is it allows the guys stuff to play up a little bit yeah um, you know and they're because they're pitching in shorter bursts and, and stuff like that but it doesn't work unless you have total buy-in from your staff. And I can't be more uh, grateful and proud of, of our pitchers. Cause Hey, look, I, I, I was a competitor and, and I still am. And, and, you know, as a pitcher, you want to be the Friday night guy and you want to be the closer and you want to be mm-hmm. this. And, you know, for guys to, to go, no, I'll do whatever it takes to win, you know, is, is, is awesome. And, and I remember this, I think it was probably five or six years ago. You know, you saw in professional baseball where people were starting to use this bullpen, bullpenning type approach, and yeah. 
and I, I remember bringing it up with our pitching staff and the, the pushback and the, I, I can't do that. I, you know, how I, you know, and again, it was so new and trying to educate them on it, but the, you could tell that the willingness to, to try to do what was best for the team wasn't there. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I just, I give our kids a lot of credit and it doesn't work if they don't buy in. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting approach that, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you correcting because it's, it's an interesting discussion, I think, and an interesting uh, philosophy that uh, you're right. We have seen, especially in playoff baseball, it seems uh, that has changed so much at the, at the major league level. And it might be something that serves you well if you get into the Big Ten tournament as well, just you know, putting putting the next guy in that you feel like you can get you out of of that jam and and winning that bank game and and moving on to the next one, you have to feel like it has served you well this season. I mean, it really has. And and you know, I, what what did you say? We have ten guys that have started a yeah, game. Yeah, ten guys. And, yeah. And you you know you know if we keep playing well and get in the tournament, you know how tournament baseball works. Anything can happen. So that that means that. You know, we have 10 different guys that know what it's like to prepare for a start. We have guys that – and those same guys have come in. You know, Kellen Tulio has started and closed out a game. Travis Lundson has started and closed right. out a game. Mason Ballot has started and closed out a game. Shinglebecker, same thing. Uh, Steve Miller, same thing. So, <clears throat> guys pitching in big spots. And what it's, what it's also done for, for me uh, and what I see is we've lengthened – um, you know, we probably, in our opinion, have 12 guys, 12 to 13 guys that can go in, mm. in short to medium bursts. And, you know, I can't say that in the past, you know, uh, I, because you just, if you're giving the bulk of the innings right. um, to a few guys, you know, the, there always comes a time in, t- in tournament baseball where you need somebody to, p- to throw that maybe hasn't pitched a ton. Yes. And, and so again, it's working for us. I, I'm not saying it's the way to do it, but for us with the, the personnel we have, um, it's been it's been a good formula. Yeah, I mean, there might be occasions where you want to do things differently depending on uh, what your personnel is. I mean, if you had a couple of guys who were throwing nine-inning shutouts every weekend, <laughs> you might... Well, that's like, like Jaden Headline last uh, Saturday, game one uh, Sunday against Michigan State. I mean, yeah. he, he won a nine-inning nine complete game, and that was huge. That, right. He set the tempo, and that allowed us to, to still have a very full bullpen and, and a lot of options. So how much different has it made things down the stretch this season with the Big Ten tournament back out there? I mean, it's it certainly, you know, from my perspective, in, in Purdue is setting in a, in a very intriguing spot, uh, trying to hang on to, to the eighth uh, spot. You guys are, you know, right there in the mix, obviously, and, and hoping to make a strong push and, and get into the tournament. I mean, it's nice to have that event back. It's it's nice for the players, obviously, uh, because it gives everyone sort of a goal to be able to strive for. But also, if you get into the Big Ten tournament, we have seen this event historically that the teams that are you know lower seeded have made runs, and if they've not you know won the title, they've at least got given themselves an opportunity on Saturday or Sunday to get there. I mean, it's just great that we're sort of all building toward this. It's, it's brought some intrigue back to the league race, not only with who will win the regular season uh, championship, which will be um, intriguing here down the stretch, but how things shake out in the bottom half as well. Um, it does add some excitement to our league, no doubt. For sure. And, 
you know, along those lines, I mean, there's nothing better than postseason baseball, you know, whether it's conference tournament, whether it's the regionals, the college world series, um, you know, that's exciting times. And, and, you know, the big 10 tournament, you know, has, uh, put itself on the map, uh, a bunch of years ago when it drew the, the largest crowd ever for a, 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 comp, a base a division one baseball conference championship final. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, it's a return to normalcy a little bit. You know I mean? Yeah. I, I said this to a bunch of people this year, you know, I've, I got 39 guys on our roster this year and only five of them have actually experienced, <clears throat> experienced a, a full 12 month, period in college where it's hey we show up on campus in the fall we go to classes in person we have a fall program we go on winter break we come back we we get ready to go we, we play an entire season and in-person classes only five out of yeah. 39 so for these kids to and, and i and i know obviously penn state's not the only school dealing with that so for all these kids especially when last year we you know, we weren't allowed to play big uh, non-conference games. You know, these kids getting these opportunities. You know, there's like last night we had a kid named Chad Rogers throw in two innings relief, and he's just now he's a sophomore. He's just now starting to, you know, get his confidence back and and yeah. and develop. But you know, he didn't get opportunities last year. Right. We didn't have any. You know, and, yeah. and there's so many kids in the Big Ten that have missed out on. You know, if you if you were a freshman in 2020. You know, and, and yeah. you know, next year's your last year of college baseball, potentially. And yeah. it's just, you know, so it's just, it's so good for the kids. You know, I mean, shoot, I look back at my my time in college as a player and, and I would do, you know, it was the greatest time of my life. Uh, and to have that interrupted and taken away uh, the way our, the way the current kids have had is, is something that, you know, I'm, I feel for them. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, as a coach, I would imagine that you uh, you would hope that there were some breaks occasionally in the Big Ten uh, schedule. Ohio State had been struggling for much of the year, and then what do the Buckeyes do? <laughs> they go out and just score a, a thousand runs last weekend. You've got the Buckeyes uh, this weekend. Man, that should be an intriguing season uh, series, that is, as you sort of make a push here uh, down the stretch. Uh, should be a good one. I mean, two teams that are coming off of uh, of sweeps over the weekend, and and you know maybe uh, one of the more intriguing series of this upcoming weekend. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be any other way for a team that we get ready to play getting hot at the right time. But yeah, you know, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that we have to just you know focus on ourselves, and and you know we can't we can't make any game bigger than it, than it is. And, you know, again, I think if our guys just continue to honor the guy next to them and how they approach it and by being a good teammate and competing and, and enjoying the time together, then, then you simplify everything. And now you're just going out with a bunch of guys that you love and care about and you're playing a game of baseball. And yeah. so that's what, you know, that's what we have to do. I mean, it'll be a great series. Ohio state's a good team. They're playing hot at the right time, and they, you know, we're playing at their place. But you know what? If it if it was easy, it, it wouldn't be worth it. So yeah. we got it. We'll go there and give it our best shot. Hey, Rob, appreciate the time. Best of luck this weekend against Ohio State. Hopefully, we'll see you uh, here in a few weeks in Omaha. Okay, thanks a lot. Appreciate you.
That's uh, Penn State coach Rob Cooper joining us on the podcast. We'll come back with the weekend rotation. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 101.7 The Hammer. the weekend rotation the three items that we are looking at as we enter the weekend there are a lot of things you could probably go more than three on this one drew let's start though with number one the race for eight that seems the most intriguing of course with purdue northwestern and nebraska all within a game though it's not really a game it's really with all within like hundreds of percentage points of each other the boilermakers holding the narrow edge for that eighth spot. And it's about as narrow as you can get. Though, the reality is for Purdue, if they win the same number of games as Northwestern and they win the same number of games as Nebraska, if neither one of those teams wins more games than Purdue, Purdue will be the eighth seed. So when you're talking about comfort level, going back to the last segment, if you're Purdue, you've got to feel more comfortable than the others because you are in control of your own destiny. Yes. You're, you're not comfortable, but you're more comfortable than the others. <laughs> so right. Purdue's put themselves in a good spot by, I know they only won one game against Iowa, but well, that's they got, what they needed to They got do. a lot of help. They got a lot of help. Yes. And they won one game against Iowa. Because there were some surprising results of the weekend, and those surprising results yeah. affected Purdue staying in eighth place. Now, to Purdue's credit, it got a victory. It did what it needed to do, and it's done what it's needed to do over the last two weeks in reality. It beat Michigan two of three and then won a game against Iowa. The feeling is if you stay around 500, this has traditionally been the case, if you stay around 500, you will make that seventh or eighth position in the Big Ten. And In reality, 10 wins, 10 and 14, since the Big Ten has expanded to the eight teams – has generally gotten you into that eighth spot. I don't know that that's going to be the case this year. It might be uh, for Purdue. If Purdue finishes three and three, it, it clearly won't be ten and fourteen because it lost the two games. Yeah, but it will get itself in uh, with ten victories. So the surprising results of the weekend: Ohio State sweeping Northwestern was a surprise to say the least. How it happened was a little bit crazy. The game one, which turned out to be on Saturday, was tied at six in the ninth inning. And then Ohio State scored eight runs in the top of the ninth. Yeah, they scored like 899 of those thousand runs you talked about yeah. in the next five innings. Right. And then, <laughs> so they carry that momentum into a game that starts 45 minutes later. After being blanked in the first inning, they scored 25 runs in the next four <laughs> frames. Yeah. And so just really put the pressure on. And then in Game 3, Northwestern led 5-4 to four going in the 8th. They gave up single runs in the 8th and the ninth innings and then could not rally themselves in the bottom of the ninth. And Ohio State ends up sweeping Northwestern. And Northwestern is one of those teams that we would have said, I would have said to you last week, Drew, is Northwestern comfortable? <laughs> and I would have said, yes, they are. And then you would have said, no, they could get swept. Uh, and they did. Um, <laughs> so... Man, that just you did not not expect that. You would have expected Northwestern to win one. If Northwestern wins one game, they're the team that's in control of their own destiny instead right. Purdue is. And that's why all this stuff is humorous to me. Because we talk about all this stuff, what we think is going to happen, and next week it's going to be a totally different conversation. Because there was 
at least two surprises this last week in Ohio State sweeping Northwestern and Nebraska losing two of three to Minnesota. So how many surprises are there going to be this weekend? There are going to be surprises. It's where yeah. are those surprises going to fall, and what's it going to do to the rest? Like, all of this stuff that we're talking about is going to happen isn't going to happen. Right. I love that you were at Iowa over the weekend, and a, and a guy there was like, hey, those guys on the podcast said this. And you were like, hey, that's me, and we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> just FYI. Yeah, just, just FYI, we're making it up. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, thought that was great. Um, and the other surprise was Nebraska loses 2-3 of three at Minnesota. I mean, the Gophers have just sort of been there for a couple of seasons, which has been very unfortunate because – that is a, a proud program that John Anderson has built. But uh, Minnesota is weird because Minnesota can pitch a little bit. They've got, you know, a couple of guys who are capable of going out there on a weekend and throwing a really good game. Can they be perfect? No. Do they have to be close to perfect, though? Because the offense is, is fairly limited, yes. And so that has been part of the issue. But Nebraska goes to Minnesota and loses two of three. Had the Cornhuskers simply won that series, then it would be Nebraska that would be hanging on to spot number eight. I mean, I think if you're looking at the Big Ten season as a whole, Nebraska's got to be the biggest surprise of the season, right? I yeah, mean, probably. I mean, they've got a solid offense, you know, led by Max Anderson, who... He's sort of been just... I know, I don't he was supposed it, to be, yeah. you know... like Everybody's sort of been inconsistent, I think, yeah. in that lineup, though. So and then the pitching hasn't the been pit, there. Yeah, the pitching was the question mark leading in. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think if you're looking at big picture Nebraska, I mean, especially down the stretch here, has got to be the biggest surprise because, I, you know, I think they have a, you know, one of the, one of the least likely uh, paths to making the tournament at this point. Yeah. All right, so let's hit uh, topic number two and talk about those remaining paths into the Big Ten tournament and maybe rank these paths from easiest to hardest. Purdue is at Northwestern, then hosts Maryland. Northwestern, of course, hosts Purdue, and then is at Minnesota. And Nebraska is at Illinois, and then hosts Michigan State. So, in my opinion, if you're looking at it easiest, it's it's Northwestern that has the easiest path, even though it would need an extra game, an extra victory over Purdue to get there, but it plays Purdue. <laughs> right. It has Purdue at home. At so home. it so that doesn't really matter as much. Like the the needing another if they were different opponents and you needed an extra win, then yeah, then Purdue would have the edge in schedule. But if you're just stri- strictly looking at it from the fact that they play Purdue so they can get, you know, one team is going to win one more game than the other. They can't can't tie the series. Not anymore. No. And so if Northwestern beats Purdue two to one, then it then it clearly, clearly has the edge in those schedules. I would concur. I mean, I, I think Northwestern has the easiest schedule going in. And we're saying that when they have to go to Minnesota, who just beat yeah. Nebraska two out of three. If you know, Minnesota has at Indiana yeah. this weekend, if Minnesota Wins two of three at Indiana. Suddenly that looks are, a are we different. are yeah. we still saying that Northwestern has the easiest path? I don't think so. So I put Purdue as the second easiest path at Northwestern, then home to Maryland. I think you disagree there. Nebraska goes to Illinois and then Michigan State at home. Where are you disagreeing with me? Why are you disagreeing? I don't understand. Uh, well, because Purdue plays Maryland. That's why yeah. I disagree. Okay. I mean, because I I think Maryland trumps anything. I mean, I so. 
Nebraska's at Illinois. And a Maryland team that might need to win. It might not on on Saturday, which is interesting. Maryland, it'll be interesting. Maryland-Purdue on that Saturday. <laughs> We're getting really into the weeds here. But it's possible Maryland will either not be able to win the Big Ten regular season tournament outright, or it will have already done so. It's possible. Yeah. And that game won't matter to Maryland. It'll be interesting to see what would happen with the Terrapins if that happens. Right? Yes. I mean, I yeah. And, and, I thus, think, and thus, does Purdue gain a, an advantage because of that? I mean, we're speculating way down the line here. But it's, it's interesting, in my opinion, to look at. Yeah, I mean, I think going back here, why I'm saying that uh, Purdue is the harder schedule is both these teams this weekend at Northwestern and at Illinois, those cancel each other out. Yeah. And then you've got Purdue at home against Maryland or Nebraska home against Michigan State. Obviously, Maryland is the tougher opponent there. If Purdue, we'll say this, if Purdue beats Northwestern two out of three this weekend, it seems like it's in a pretty good spot, right? I mean, it's in, it, it is, if it doesn't, it is not in a good spot. Purdue has to win two games they this have weekend. To. Absolutely has to. Because then I think, I think I'm, not, I'm saying this not doing the math, then they can technically, they technically still have a path they in but getting they ha- swept by Maryland. They still have a path in if they win two out of three. Yes, I think you're correct there. They need help, but they, they would need help. They at yes. least still have a path in. If yes. they only lose, if they only win one game against Northwestern, the paths are well. You would you would need really to like win that series against Maryland. Yes, and then you would need Northwestern to yeah lose at Minnesota, and both those things happening seem very unlikely. All right, uh, let's hit topic number three. What we're watching, aside from everything, Drew, what are you watching? Can we just say what we're not watching? Like we're we're not going to watch Rutgers versus Bowling Green, and we're going to watch everything else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Is that I mean, fair? Can we like nobody cares about Rutgers and Bowling Green this week, right? Because it doesn't. They could go zero and three. It doesn't matter. I mean, well, uh, in yeah. the grand scheme of things, for the right. for the regional, it does, but um, but not for what we've been talking about here today. So. I mean, the ones I watch everything else. Purdue and Purdue and Northwestern. Yes, you'll be there. Um, uh, you know, I wish I was going to be able to watch those games. I'll certainly tune in to you, I guess. Um, <laughs> Michigan and Maryland. Ahead. I wrote down obviously Nebraska, Illinois. Yes, but yeah, all of them. All of them. Yeah, I'm watching everything. I want to see. I want to see what surprises we have. We had surprises last week. We're going to have surprises this week. What are they going to be? I don't know where they're going to come from. All right, that'll do it for the podcast for this week. Uh, back again next week, we'll we'll say a bunch of things uh, that will ultimately be wrong, I'm sure, uh, because it's just all speculation <laughs> as we try to figure out uh, how this thing will wrap up this season. Thanks to Rob Cooper for coming on the podcast for this week. For Drew Charters, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer. You're out!